Real News Public Relations is proud to be the exclusive podcast sponsor of Dallas Startup Week. Welcome to the official podcast for Dallas Startup Week, a five-day-long celebration building momentum and opportunity around entrepreneurship. Join us as we explore DFW's thriving startup community. Come together for one week as investors, marketers, and consumers showcase their ideas to find out if they have what it takes to become the next big thing in the business arena. Tune in as we bring you exclusive behind-the-scenes content from 2017's top speakers, influencers, and show organizers. The biggest events, the brightest startups, the Dallas Startup Week podcast on RNCN. And now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Dallas Startup Week podcast. I'm Zach Lewis. I'm Kristen Marin. And I gotta be honest, I'm a little bit real excited about today. Today, for anybody that doesn't know, <laughs> is the Gaming Expo at Basecamp. And I'm a gamer and I'm nuts about it. If you haven't listened to the past couple episodes, I, I kind of geek out over this stuff. So I think there's going to be a lot of good content. Kristen, what are you excited about today? I'm excited to, you know, definitely see what's going to be showcased at this Game Developers Expo. And it, it's local developers, so that's really cool. Right. I was expecting, you know, maybe Microsoft will be there showing off a new Xbox or something. And, and, and while that may not happen because it is Dallas Startup Week and not Dallas Already Huge Business Week, uh, I'm still excited to see what people have to offer. Right. I think it's really cool to find out what's, you know, here at home in your own community and, and really to find out about these businesses that you don't even realize are right around the corner making these cool new products. If there's anything else I want to try to get to today, it's, it's, it's tracks we haven't really covered yet. Things like... Uh, I don't know, restaurants, and I'm hoping we can get to some of those interviews because while we've talked a lot about things that interest me, I'm hoping we can get to everybody else that comes to Dallas Startup Week that hasn't really been hasn't really been covered yet. Right. I know tomorrow, you know, we're we're planning to visit the uh, real estate. Uh, Expo, which is another, you know, track that we haven't had the chance to visit. And so definitely getting interviews with key players of really all the tracks so we can get a well-rounded view of Startup Week is, is what we're trying to accomplish here. At the very least, I'm crazy excited to see what the day will bring. Chase Business Base Camp at 750 North St. Paul Street, downtown Dallas, 19th floor. We're here. We're excited. Come talk to us. And we will be right back with more of day four of the Dallas Startup Week podcast next on RNCM. Time to recharge. More from Dallas Startup Week 2017 coming up on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to the Dallas Startup Week podcast, heard on RNCN. Welcome back to Dallas Startup Week, day four as we're sitting here. I'm Zach Lewis, sitting here with Kristen, of course, and Tim. And we're welcomed by Dave Ferris. Is that Fer Forrest? Forrest, yeah. Dave yeah, Forrest, yeah. head of the gaming track. Dave, how's it going? It's going pretty well, yeah. Just in the middle of a gaming showcase right now. So yeah, I appreciate you taking the yeah. time. Yeah, no, of so course. we're sitting, we're sitting your day. next to the game developer showcase happening here at the base camp location on the nineteenth floor. So tell us a little bit about you know who's 
who's exhibiting here yeah. and and what's going on? Give us a who's who. Who's who? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I won't go down the full list, but uh, we've got some some local independent game developers who are showcasing their games uh, and showcasing their game technology. We have uh, an app here called Cosmunity that is actually focused around kind of connecting uh, different communities within the uh, anime space, cosplayer space, gaming space, uh, and helping influencers and things like that showcase uh, and and make some money off of what they're doing. So they're technically not a game, but they're relative to that. I noticed yeah, this, yeah. Uh, yesterday, we had, two days ago, we had Samsung here yeah. doing a kind of little expo thing. Yeah, totally. I didn't see any of them here. Are they somewhere else doing something? Um, or? So they, well, so Samsung is actually helping head up the virtual reality and augmented reality track yeah. uh, this year. And so most of their events were Tuesday and Wednesday. Gotcha. Um, we, we have uh, one VR of, uh, game that's being shown off right now yeah. um, at the showcase and then uh, the rest of our stuff is, is more mobile and computer uh, based games we have one Xbox game as well oh rock on um, but uh, yeah this year we, we tried to focus more on, on the smaller kind of indie games that you don't need a bunch of technology to be able to play yeah so you said it was like local you know startups and, yeah, exactly. and people who are local to Dallas kind of yeah. game developers so anything that you're particularly excited about that you've seen over there well so uh, I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of the game uh, Gentleman Ninja it's yeah a, I it's saw a that. mobile game uh, it's free which is great so I love anything free uh, but uh, the developers here uh, he's actually from uh, from England uh, but he he married a Dallas girl, uh, and so he lives here. And uh, it's a really fun game. Um, there's uh, another. I'm trying to think of what other games. Oh, there's uh, a game that looks like Chex Quest, which is yeah, built on the, yeah, the Doom exactly, engine, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we we also have uh, a robot uh, that's actually uh, it's at at Tech, um, and they they have a robot that you drive around and you play an augmented reality game. Uh, so they have a camera on the robot yeah. as you drive around. Uh, you watch a computer screen and they have like these waves of enemies that you have to shoot out and oh, things like that. Very cool. But it's really cool to see that mixture between the, the physical, uh, like actual hardware and then the game that's being built off of that as well. So mm -hmm. um, I, the thing that I love about Dallas and the thing that I love about the Dallas gaming community especially is that there's so much innovation here. I mean, you, you mentioned Doom, right? Yes. And Doom started in Richardson. Which uh, is nuts. With, yeah, with it is right software. over there. Um, yeah, and then you've got Gearbox up in Frisco uh, doing the Borderlands series and, uh, you know, the, the Duke Nukem and, and everything like sure. that. And uh, um, Paul Bettner is Paul in Paul Bettner, yeah, exactly. He, he put he's together Lucky's Tale on the uh, Oculus yep, Rift. Yeah, Lucky's yeah, Tale on the McKinney. Oculus Rift. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Oculus, right? We have <laughs> a Deep Elm Studio, yeah. uh, you know, doing a lot of the development uh, for that as well. And uh, so, so many companies that you could name. And, and so it's just really cool to see how much innovation there is here. And, and, and talk about your history with the Dallas Startup Week, because I've, I've known you for several years. Yeah. And so, again, you know, how do you become how did you become track captain? And you're kind of really the go to guy now, <laughs> you know, when it when it comes to gaming development here in Dallas. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I got connected with Dallas. So I, I moved to Dallas actually about four years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 2013, June. Um, and I got connected to the startup community in early 2014 um, through the coffee clubs, the open coffee clubs. Um, and through that, just found out about different events. And right as they were starting Dallas Startup Week, the first year in 2014, uh, we got talking and, and they said, hey, you know, we'd like to do a gaming track or we'd like to do something. And I said, well, here, let, like, I would be happy to help with that. 
Um, I, of course, got roped into being a track captain. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe somebody could take over and then I could just No, help no, no, you're great at it. Stop being roped into it. You're great at it. It is what it is. But, um, but you know, I, I see such a, an opportunity for connection between the entrepreneurial scene, the rest of the tech scene, and the gaming scene because there's so much innovation going back and forth um, and so much talent, right? The, like, game developers are in, are in high demand, but they're, they're also... Uh, there's a high demand for gaming jobs, but there's so many other opportunities, whether it's virtual reality in the healthcare space, or it's just incredible optimization of technology in anything. I have, I have a friend that literally just graduated uh, his undergrad, uh, UTD, and is getting a job at Capital One. Now he's, he's a game developer, but his programming skills that he's learned and that he's honed through the game development side of things can really come in handy to make sure that the, the finance industry or whatever really has an amazing has amazing software that's built out for that. And so it's it's really cool to see that that intersection. And, and it's pretty cool. When we were talking with Paul uh, a couple of days ago, and even talking with Nick with Samsung a few yeah. days also, the fact that the gaming community here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it, it's all these wonderful little pockets mm-hmm. of companies. And, and this is a really hotbed mm-hmm. of gaming development. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the other cool thing, so you have these large companies that are, that are doing amazing work, and then you also have this extremely passionate, independent game developer community as well, which is what we're showcasing today. But a lot of these one, two, three-person shops um, with, with men and women that are just excited about game development. You know, so I, I, was, I met with a guy from Paris, Texas, uh, just earlier today that came by, and he's like, oh, this is amazing. Like... Uh, I've been coming down every single day because I just want to learn more about what you guys are doing and see if we can bring any of it back to Paris. And he said, but I, I don't understand this gaming showcase. He's like, are they selling anything? Are they like, why are they here? You know, I'm asking like, are you looking to sell? And they're all answering, oh no, we just want to see what people think of our games and, mm-hmm. and get excited. And it's, it's really cool to see that, that sharing it's not the sharing economy, but the, the, the sharing atmosphere and just feel of community and camaraderie that, that the Dallas space has in that not everyone's just out there trying to make a buck and trying to take as much as they can from you, but instead trying to share with you and trying to say, look, this is what I'm passionate about. Let's see if you can be passionate or let, let's see if, if you can find it as appealing as I do. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Dave, tell us about, you know, what else has been going on this week as far as the gaming track is concerned? Because obviously we've got the Game Developer Showcase happening, but what, what might we have missed earlier this week or what's still to come? Yeah, okay. Well, so uh, on Tuesday, we actually had a panel that was focused on, hey, so you want to be a game developer or hey... So you have a game that you're working on and you want to see it be successful. Um, and so we had uh, three different panelists that, that discussed kind of their experience and history with the game development community from, from a small level um, and, and talked about kind of how to make the most. We, we called it up, down, left, right, BA, start. <laughs> cheat codes for game development which if, if any gamers in the audience or, or I know you're totally. a gamer over yeah, here yeah. Uh, that's the Konami code which is the, the most famous cheat code in the in the world I guess but um, so that, that was a panel that we did on Tuesday mm-hmm. um, later this evening uh, we're actually doing a happy hour over at the Cidercade in the design district um, which just opened right? yeah we yeah, just, yeah. just opened Bishop Cider Company uh basically took their their brewing space and they were like well we have this extra space in our warehouse what should we do with it oh we're gonna take 85 game cabinets 
put it in and allow people to come play arcade games and drink cider and hang out so awesome. right which for a quick plug unlike barcadia <laughs> it's 10 bucks to get in and yeah. it's all you can play exactly arcadia so. you have to like get quarters there it's ten dollars and it's play everything you want yeah. it's awesome and so luckily thanks to you know our sponsors and chase for business there's a nice plug um <laughs> you know we're we're actually able to cover the first 35 people that come to the happy hour to to get in and do it so that's that's kind of fun it's nice um they actually they have a an arcade cabinet it's, i think it's one of the only ones uh, like the, the one of the only games that has five versus five arcade uh, competitive uh, gaming. It's called Killer Queen. Really? Um, yeah, and they have it down at Bishop Cider. There's there's a couple of them all around. The last time I saw it was in San Francisco. That's extreme. So it's great. Yeah. So I don't know if any of you are available this evening, but you're welcome to come by it's like and Tekken on play. a whole other level. Oh yeah, it's yeah. great. So um, so yeah, that's that's what's happening. Um, you know, we have we have a few events that are happening this fall and things like that just around the gaming community. But um, overall, there's there's just so much stuff that's happening and, and people can find out about it on Facebook and meet up and all of that. So and beyond Dallas Startup Week, then how do people continue to stay invested in the Dallas gaming community? What are some of the good groups? Yeah. So there's some amazing groups uh, in Dallas. There's um, uh, the International Game Developers Association is actually an international association, if you if you couldn't tell, but there's a Dallas chapter here um, that that hosts different meetups and events for um, game developers. Um, and then there's also an organization called the Dallas Society of Play, um, and they host meetups twice a month. Um, uh, once that's kind of a showcase to talk about different games that are coming out or things like that. And then they also do workshop sessions where they focus on here's how to do animation for your game or here's how to do. Um, different types of graphics or multiplayer connection and networking and that kind of stuff. Sure. So, um, so those are two great groups. Um, I also, I run a, a coffee club for game developers called the video game open coffee club uh, or VGOCC. It's a super catchy name. Vjock, um, of course. Vgock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so that's on Facebook and meet up and, and we just have a really good group of people that talk about what's happening in the gaming community. So anything like that, um, I think is a great way. Otherwise, reaching out to me on social media, I'm just David Forrest. So, really easy to find. Well, but, Dave Forrest, thanks so much for taking the yeah, time to speak. Yeah, of course, my pleasure. But thank you guys. Yeah, it was a good time. Right. Thanks. Uh, we'll be right back with more of Dallas Startup Week right after this. Stick around. The Dallas Startup Week podcast will return right after this. You're listening to the official podcast of Dallas Startup Week, brought to you by the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to day four of the Dallas Startup Week podcast. I'm Zach Lewis, sitting here with Sarah Crilly. How's it going, Chris, Lewis? Kristen Marin in the background, because we don't have a mic for her, but she's excited to be here too, aren't you, Kristen? I am. She is. Uh, we're also sitting down with one Nick Nielsen, who's kind of got an interesting angle to talk about here, something that hasn't been covered yet in the podcast, health and wellness. Because in startups, typically you're eating ramen noodles and drinking energy drinks. There's not a whole lot to it. And I feel like you know something because you've been to a panel or two. So I heard about this thing you went to. Well, first off, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Nick Nielsen. Perfect. Nick Nielsen, everybody. Nick, uh, tell me a little about yourself. Sure. I am the regional head of startup strategy for UPS. Oh, wow. So what we've started today is actually this month. Yeah. Just really just trying to get more involved in the startup and entrepreneur community. That starts with me attending things like Dallas Startup Week. Startups, yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. So you went to what was the name of it? Health for Wildcatters. Wildcats and health. Wildcats and health. Now <laughs> no, I don't know health a lot. Wildcatters. So health Wildcatters. About the yeah. Bengal tiger. Okay. Wildcats and health. Health Wildcatters. Tell me a little bit about this because so, it, it, yeah. for, at the surface the name is perplexing. They have a great name. Yes, right. to say the least. Good marketing on that piece. So they're health actually what's called a, an incubator for healthcare. Yeah. Companies. An incubator. Or healthcare startups. Yes. All right. Why Wildcats? I think that the spinoff the name of the, the Wildcatter was uh, an oil thing, right? So if you kind of go it? off the grid and, and really start sure. drilling for your own right. oil, uh, you're known as a Wildcatter. This is a perfect opportunity to introduce my other guest, Madasser. I've had a nickname since second grade. Yeah? Just Mud. M-U-D. Okay, well that sounds... It's, it sounds bad, but it's just stuck with me, so I can't get rid it of it. It sounds like you're cool with it, but I feel like we're better than that. Madasser. Um, this is my professional name. Yes. yes. How did you get involved in this podcast that we're doing right now? Um, actually, this guy to my right. Yes, Nick Nielsen. <laughs> basically said, hey, come meet me at my fiance, and why don't you be on a podcast? And I'm nervous, but what the hell? Shameless plug. Sarah Crilly, fiance to Nick Nielsen. It's a recent thing. <laughs> Congrats, true. by the way. Well, thank <laughs> to you. To the two of you. Yes. We are very excited to be engaged. So and here together at Startup Week. Yes. We're like the official Startup Week couple. I know. Both of you managed to come out here. It's surprising. So, health for wildcatters. What do I need to know? It's an incubator. So, when I first went in there the other day, I asked them, are you guys related to wildcatters, which is right down the street? Right. And they said, no, we're no longer part of wildcatters. We're now health wildcatters. So, basically, incubator for health and wellness technology products in general anyone that wants to start up a business in uh, the tech in the health space and tell me about this panel that you went to what, what what's going on there were they talking about getting into the business are they talking about incubator startups within them uh, yeah sure uh there was i attended three panels the first one was uh just a few individuals that have a business in dallas Fort yeah. worth um, the second one was a panel about generation, like how different generation X, Y, and Z view healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one that I just attended was uh, how to raise, is there investment opportunities or funding availability in Dallas Fort Worth? Now, Madasir, what do you do? Uh, I've been in the technology space. Actually, after high school, I joined the military. Oh, wow. For a couple well, years. Well, thanks. Yeah, we appreciate it. And then I got out, started uh, technology, um, and now I'm in a startup of my own. So. All right. So in your position, which panel do you think was kind of the most beneficial to you? Which one did you get the most you know, from? <laughs> I feel like all of them are kind of the same. Every panelist really like to talk about themselves a lot. Well, sure. And so I think the most information I received or something that had some value to me was the first one about uh, the different businesses in healthcare in DFW. All right, what are you looking forward to tomorrow, the final day of Startup Week? Um, hopefully they have a good happy hour. <laughs> it's always Pri- important. Priorities, <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, uh, my biggest thing is just networking. Yeah. A lot of people are out here with great ideas. Um, I think of it as if I can bring any value to someone else's business, um, I feel like it's, it's gonna come back to me two times more. I will not be out here tomorrow. All right. Today so is my last day of Dallas Startup Week. Today being your last day of Dallas Startup <laughs> Week, what do you think you've learned? I really enjoyed being here. Yeah. The, the uh, community, the environment was really good when it came to networking. Yeah, networking's I mean, a big one, especially for It's really for easy myself. to just walk up and talk to people. 
harder to get them on a podcast, but I appreciate yes. you guys taking the Much time. Much harder to get them on a podcast. Yes. Well, I've, I'm probably going to start listening to this podcast more and more. Oh, rock so. on. All right. Another <laughs> listener down. Thank you, Nick, for wrangling. Serial podcaster. Huh? Yes. <laughs> so here's what I'm looking forward to. The networking is uncanny here at Dallas Startup Week. People just walk up to you and start telling you what they're doing. It's like they got their pitch down. They're here to network. They're here for business, which is really cool because how do you really start up a conversation with someone in an elevator when you're trying to network and get to know people, right? So people just come right up to you and ask what you're doing and ask for business cards. And so that's what I really appreciate here at Dallas Startup Week this week. It's really inspiring. Yeah, I'd say I probably talked more in elevators this week than I have in two years worth of of elevator riding just because <laughs> people are open to, to actually talking and communicating right. all the time networking is kind of a priority here mm-hmm. well gentlemen thanks for taking the time to sit down with me thanks for the opportunity thank you until next time lewis thanks a lot we'll be right back with more of the dallas startup week podcast right after this don't unplug just yet the dallas startup week podcast continues next on rncn You're listening to the official podcast of Dallas Startup Week, brought to you by the Real News Communications Network. Five days, one podcast. This is the Dallas Startup Week podcast. Welcome back to day four of Dallas Startup Week. I'm Kristen Marin. I'm Zach Lewis. And we are sitting here with Zach Kuhner of Cosmunity. And he was part of the Game Developers Expo earlier. And uh, Zach, we've been having a debate whether it's <laughs> Cosmunity yes. or Cosmunity. So can you settle the score? Yeah, we typically say it's Cosmunity. But I mean, it's whatever, however you want to say it. It doesn't bother us. And so tell us a little bit about Cosmunity, what they're about. Sure. So Cosmunity is effectively a a universe of microcosms at your fingertips. So another thing we like to say is that we're pretty much a digital comic convention in your pocket. Because that's really where we got the idea for the app. We were at, uh, my business partners and I, we were at a comic convention and we're looking around and we're just blown away at this ecosystem all of the different personalities and, and hobbies within the convention. And, you know, we, we kind of had a light bulb go off and we were like, wow, we can make an app and a website, a full platform that would support all of these experiences. So let's get to work. So tell us a little bit about the app and if you're using it, kind of what kinds of interactions you're going to have on it. Yeah, sure. So at a high level, to break down the, I would say, three main buckets, we have a social component where you can follow users chat with them you can look at all their photos and videos you know this is especially important for the the cosplay scene Uh, then we have a marketplace functionality where it's a a peer-to-peer marketplace so you know within the comic convention scene there are so many types of amazing creative vendors whether they're selling illustrations or comic books or at Dallas Fan Expo last week I saw this one guy who was awesome he made these Pokemon pots where so if you guys are familiar with Bulbasaur he's this little green dinosaur looking Pokemon Mm -hmm. 
he's got this big plant on his back. So the pot was Bulbasaur's body, and then there was a succulent coming out of the back. So just like crazy, like fan-based products like that mm -hmm. um, are all supported on the platform. All you have to do to sell on the platform is come in and link your PayPal account, and you get paid directly. Um, and then there's an event feature where you can go in, anybody can upload their own events and uh, we have a local event functionality so that way you can go in and you can find all of the local geeky events going on around you. And what's really cool about that one is that we talk to so many different people who, you know, they say that, you know, that they know like everything that there is to know about all the fandoms in Dallas, all the different geek events. But then they come on to Cosmunity and they're blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I, I can't believe all of these events that are going on just down the road from me and I had no idea about it all. So that one's really exciting for us to hear that, that kind of feedback from our users. It sounds like there's a lot of potential for Cosmunity to become a much bigger thing. I mean, there genuinely is. Conventions are huge. I mean, mm -hmm. they're all over the place. Dallas has a bunch more than it used to have, I mean, five years ago. Fan Expo was just last weekend. Um, there's a convention in Houston this weekend. I mean, there's stuff all over the place. And I, I Yeah, we're to actually ask, going to that con this weekend. Are you my, really? My team, some of my team is down there at Anime Matsuri. I was going to say, no lie, my girlfriend is driving there right nice. now. Nice. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so this is interesting to me. Uh, how do you guys plan to kind of market I mean, how can you get involved in conventions to really like just let people know the score? Because if you can do that, this can become a really big thing. So I'm just curious, what's, I don't, I don't know, what's your, what's your ideas? Yeah, so, you know, from, from the ground floor, like, we know how important it is to, to participate physically in conventions. And we've done that at Dallas Fan Expo. We're doing that at Anime Matsuri this weekend. Two weeks from now, we'll be at Silicon Valley Comic Con, wow. where we'll be releasing a lot of cool new features. Sounds like an exhausting schedule. Oh, you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Yeah, I mean, I've been traveling like crazy. Yesterday, I flew into North Carolina and back. The day before that, I drove to Austin and back. Oh my I mean, gosh. it's just a, it's a madhouse with Cosmunity right now, but I'm just absolutely loving it. It's a ton of fun. But so as far as how we can market the application, the cool thing is... Well, of course, we're running um, we're running a couple different ad campaigns. Of course, running Facebook ads, Google AdWords, sure, Apple Search, stuff like that. But really, my core philosophy um, with Cosmunity is building in the ability for our our passionate users to not just enjoy the app, but to become a brand advocate for us by using the app. And so, you know, one one thing that we're working on right now is uh, the ability to so anybody can upload their own event right um, we're gonna be working on invite features so you think about these major conventions right who have uh, huge huge lists of, of people right they could create an event on Cosmunity and use this functionality to basically invite everybody to join the event on the platform that way um, of course, we have all kinds of sharing functionalities embedded in, as well as an invite to the app feature, both uh, invite from SMS as well as from Facebook Messenger. So, um, and then on top of that, we're actually working on a web series right now, which will be released in uh, two weeks, right before we go to Silicon Valley. That one, I can't tell you guys how how excited I am for that to roll out. I mean. We hope it's a hit. We think it's it's pretty funny. We'll see what the people think about it. But I'm curious with the marketplace functionality in the app. I understand like the social function and why conventions would want to have you there for that. That rocks. That brings people at the convention closer together, and that makes that experience stronger. But I I, I find myself 
concerned with the marketplace functionality. Is there a possibility at some point conventions will start to see you as competition as opposed to like helpful? So, I mean, I, I can see how, how somebody might think that. I'd say the answer is no. You know, we, um, while you, you, we, well, yeah, you're not trying to do that at any point. You're not yeah, trying to yeah. compete, right? No, not at all. And, and actually, quite the opposite. We're trying to enhance the convention experience. Yeah. So, while we say we're a digital Comic Con, we, we are not saying like you now have no reason to ever go to a con. We just supplement that full con experience from so many different levels, you know. So let's talk about the experience of discovering an event. So you go on Cosmunity, you find an event, you can see all of the people who are going to the event in advance. Maybe you're a cosplayer and you want to seek out a photographer. You can do that no problem on Cosmunity. So we're facilitating connections between people even before the cons even begin. And then they get to the convention, have a great experience. And you know, ultimately these the, the people running the cons that's what's critically important to them. They want to make sure that the fans have a great experience. But as it relates to the marketplace side of things, um, I would say no. Uh, I would say we're not going to be a competitor in that sense because we will just further enable more sales at the convention. We have the ability to um, allow the vendors to offer like a local local pickup effectively. So yeah. the customer could come in, buy the product on Cosmunity, um, and and the fan would pick it up at the fan expo. So Which is super clever. There's a ton of times I've been in like an artist alley and they run out of a certain print. Right. That you can totally bypass that, which is great. Mm -hmm. Cosmunity is a great name, and you know it brings together the aspect of cosplay and community. But you're you're saying it's it's goes beyond that as well, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. So Cosmunity is not just about cosplay. Um, I think what's I think the reason why that image may come come off as that is because, you know, regardless of what you're a fan of, whether it's Game of Thrones or Naruto or Overwatch, right? Either, w whatever it is, you can cosplay a character from any of those things, right? And so whether it's at a high level gaming or anime or comics, like, you can cosplay all of those things. And so we see a, a lot of imagery on the network because Cosmunity is a place for people to express their, their fandom, their love of, of whatever their favorite series or video games are. And so we do see a lot of cosplay, but it's just, it's just part of a larger picture. Just in the places you told me you've been in the places you're going, um, Austin, North Carolina, Houston, Dallas, uh, Silicon Valley, I'm curious, uh, how long has Cosmunity been around? So we started development on Cosmunity in September. Wow. Yeah, we've been moving really fast. Very fast. Very proud of our team. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, as, as a relatively new company and, and someone who's experiencing a lot of growth, uh, what are you here to learn at Startup Week or what are you hoping to take away that you can apply to your business? So we just presented at the gaming showcase. And while we don't offer games within Cosmunity, one thing that's been critical for us in our whole development process is getting out and talking to our, our users and getting feedback from them, seeing what really matters. And so we want to extend farther into the, the gaming community and offer more tools to you know, facilitate um, LAN parties, as an example. You, know, you could leverage the event feature to do that. But so we're here to talk to gamers about the things that really matter to them, so that way we can put that onto our product roadmap 
and create a fantastic experience for them as well. Zach, where can people find out more about Cosmunity? So you can download us on the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or just check out www.cosmunity.com. Zach Kuhner, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll be back with more from Dallas Startup Week coming up. Time to recharge. More from Dallas Startup Week 2017 coming up on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to the Dallas Startup Week podcast, heard on RNCN. Day four of Dallas Startup Week. We are podcasting live at Basecamp, and we're sitting down with a very special guest right now, Joe Van Offlin, a sponsor of, of Dallas Startup Week and the track captain of the restaurant track, which is interesting. We haven't had any restaurant representation here, so I appreciate you taking the time. Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to. Thanks for uh, chatting a bit. And, and Joe, uh, earlier today, uh, you were heading up one of the restaurant track conversations, turning tables, conversations with restaurateurs. So what can you tell us about that panel discussion? We, uh, in planning the restaurant track, we really wanted to cover a couple of different bases. Uh, so yesterday, we chatted with guys who are selling to the restaurant space and building products for the restaurant space. And we wanted to make sure that we kind of touched all points for the community. So today, we really wanted to focus on folks who might be trying to start their own restaurants with or without any experience. Mm-hmm. So I uh, reached out to a, a couple of restaurant owners that I, I know through my business and, uh, and and we really asked them to come in and, and sit down and just be honest with us. Talk to us about what that experience is like and, and talk to us uh, you know, about their backgrounds. Uh, it's interesting to find out that most restaurateurs have not been restaurant tours their whole life. You right. know, we, we chatted with a baseball player, an airline pilot, and a foodie earlier. So, uh, wow. re- really strange to see that the backgrounds that they come from. And and you know, at one point in their life, they said, oh, "I'm going to open a restaurant," and and they went and figured it out just like the rest of us entrepreneurs did. And when you think small business owner, a lot of people immediately go to you know restaurant owner. But that's also why restaurants fail so quickly. You know, many of them within the first three years. And so, what kind of discussion took place over the panel? you know in regards to that fact and and the regard to the fact that restaurants are so you know kind of set up to fail volatile yeah yeah absolutely um and 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 it was interesting the panel that we had because two of the guys were very very new uh you know joe groves down from ellen's uh kitchen in the west end there he's been operating for five or six years now so so and one of the questions we asked was uh, how do you, when do you feel okay? Is there ever a point where you walk away at the end of the night and you know things are going to be okay totally. inside yeah, yeah. and you know, and, mm-hmm. and they kind of said, no, we hold our <laughs> breath every single second. You know, he's, you know, Nick, Nick from uh, Hyde Bar down in Deep Elm, he, he kind of looked at us and said, no, I, I, I'm panicked when I leave that somebody's got a wet rag on the bar, you know? Jeez. And so it sounds like it, it, it never really settles down that they always kind of have those pins and needles. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a couple other panels you guys have had. This can't have been the only one. I mean, we're on day four. What have we, what else have we missed? Uh, we, uh, we had a great happy hour down at Hyde Bar. Uh, those guys do some really interesting stuff down there with tech. They have a science lab in their kitchen. Wow. Um, and so they're using centrifuges and all, all kinds of things that are wow. way above my level of understanding. <laughs> uh, fancy, to make some, fancy food. <laughs> yeah, make some really, really cool drinks. We had a happy hour down there and, and did some networking. Um, and then yesterday we sat down with a, a couple of guys who are or have built uh, products for the restaurant space and talked about uh, how, how to attack that market, how to get in the door, how to sell to those guys, because it is a really unique industry, you know, and most sales jobs are able to 
make your approach anytime between nine and five. And the restaurant industry just is not that way. You kind of have that small window of two to four, two to three thirty yes. yeah. uh, to be able to approach. And so we sat down with some guys that I, I know from the community and talked about what are some of those challenges and, and how do we work through some of those. You know, none of us are probably experts uh, when it comes to selling to the space, but we've all a lot of made a lot of mistakes and learned from them along the way. Joe, I want to dig into you a little bit. How did you get involved in Dallas Startup Week? Uh, by accident. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I run my company out of the deck down in the West End, and they were having a, a kind of planning meeting, a meeting and, a, and a you know call to arms looking for track captains. Yeah. And uh, and and just being kind of a friendly guy, I said, if you guys need anything, let me know. And they said, great. Uh, pick a track. <laughs> and so we've been sorting it out ever since. So how long have you been involved with the deck? Uh, I became a member at the deck uh, back in August, I think. I probably first walked through the doors last March or so, wow. and, and uh, they've been an incredible resource. Uh, you know, we probably probably wouldn't have made it through our first year in business if it wasn't for the good folks down there helping us learn lessons a lot faster than we could anywhere else. Tell us a little bit about why it's been so important to you. Uh, you know, one of, one of the big things is community. Uh, you're surrounded by other entrepreneurs. Uh, they can see that look of distress on your face uh, when you're having a bad day and, and they're there to help you, you know, and that's just a community of other guys trying to build stuff. Uh, as far as the deck itself goes, the educational programs are unreal. Uh, the, the level of, of mentors that we have access to is insane. I mean, there's so many influential people and guys who have uh, many more degrees hanging on their wall than I do and much, much more real world experience who are willing to sit down and, and talk with guys like myself for an hour at a time and, and do anything they can to help connect us or, or help us learn and kind of this alternative way. Being a track captain, oftentimes you're expected to just run around like a chicken with your head cut off, taking care of problems all over the place. I mean, sorting things out. I'm curious, what have you learned here at Dallas Startup Week, this being your first year? Let somebody else do it next year, maybe. Uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, really, it goes back again to that sense of community. You know, there's some incredible people uh, on the planning committee for this thing. And, and just like everything else, it's all about communication. So as, as long as you're trying and, and reaching out to them when there's a fire and, and reaching out to them when there's a victory, you don't have to do this job by yourself. You know, there's a whole bunch of people. Again, that's what this this whole entrepreneurial community in Dallas is about: is lift each other up, help, lift each other up, help each other out. And uh, that certainly resonated through the the track captain planning process. So, Joe, you said you got started with Ride Along Media through the deck. Tell us a little bit about Ride Along Media and who they are. Uh, so I'm the founder of Ride Along Media, uh, and so I, I walked into the deck uh, really kind of randomly. Uh, I participated in Uber Pitch, uh, where you can like Uber has a one, once a year once a year in major cities they they put out a coupon code that unlocks a new feature for a car. So you have like your X, your Black, and your Select or XL, mm -hmm. whatever. Sure. Um, and, and so you put in that code, and it and it unlocks Uber Idea, and then you frantically push the button, and and if you get <laughs> if, if they accept the ride, they show up like in this uh, SUV with an Uber driver, an Uber rep, and a VC. Oh, wow. um, and so we were like four days old at the time, or five <laughs> days old. We literally just launched a company, and, yeah. uh, and, and they managed to pick me up. So I pitched uh, a, a gentleman, and he said, you know, you're way too early. You have no revenue. You're three days old. Uh, he said, go visit my friends down at the deck. Meet Trey, meet Emmanuel, ask him about one million cups, and, and get involved. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we immediately went down, met Emmanuel, and, uh, and, and they really helped us to figure out who we are and what we're doing. So, so we operate a, a digital ad network inside of Uber and Lyft cars. So expand upon that. Uh, we, we recruit drivers directly, and we have them place a 7-inch Android tablet on the back of their headrest. And we run ads in the back of their car, just like you've probably seen in taxi cabs before okay yeah. uh, if, if you've been to Vegas before you probably had Steve Wynn yell at you uh, on that <laughs> yes. panel all the way down the strip yeah and and so we took a lot of notes from you know when we tell people we do in car 
advertising and transit, that's the first thing they say, oh, you mean like Steve Wynn? And we, we kind of always say, no, 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 we, we've learned a lot of lessons from what they do in the yellow cab. You know, all of our ads are silent to start and they're not intrusive. And, and if the passenger cares, they're there. And if they don't, it's, it's easy to ignore the fact mm-hmm. that they're there. So Does the driver make revenue from this or is this directly to Uber? And uh, how does that work? Yeah, uh, the driver definitely gets paid for it. You know, their, their margins are really narrow as is. You yes. know, by the time they add the extra insurance rider they have to carry, pump fuel through the car, keep the car maintained, get the city inspection, all of these things, uh, it, it's really not that great of a value problem position right. at the end of the day mm-hmm. and so uh, I was a part-time Lyft driver and that's where all of this came from as I kind of said we we can we can do better we can help to hedge those those costs that they see and, and make their margins better and so we set out to do that and I, I think we're slowly doing it I have to imagine I mean I know they helped you out so obviously they, they're kind of in the idea but I, I have to imagine uber and other ride-sharing services are are fans of this, right? I mean, I can't imagine them being not not liking this. Uh, we, we don't really know yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we we pitched uh, in, in that Uber pitch event, and, and they didn't tell us to stop. Yeah. Uh, and then we called them and we said, "Hey, we're doing this. Would you guys like to get involved?" And they said. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> and, and so we said, okay, you know, you've been really clear that your drivers are independent contractors and that they're not employees and, and we're going to exploit that to a degree. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to sure. give the drivers the opportunity to get involved. So we contract directly with those drivers and, and have a growing number of drivers who are seeing this as an opportunity to uh, make their lives a little bit easier and, and, and also uh, make the passengers experience a little bit better. You know, we're offering couponing, we're offering uh, all kinds of special offers to the car that you can't get anywhere else. And so the passengers, I, I think, are ultimately enjoying that. We haven't had any passengers get like really mad that we're advertising inside their Uber or their Lyft car. Because yours is a platform that provides digital distribution, is there anywhere that a driver couldn't do this? Or is this, I mean, is this localized to Dallas or could this happen anywhere? As of right now, we've been really focused on Dallas. When we launched this thing, we had no idea if it was going to take legs, if it was possible, if it could work, if if we could actually drive business and provide Lyft. And so we've really spent the last year uh, focusing on our backend data and, and doing some case studies to show that we're actually providing a value to these businesses and so now that we've done that we're preparing to make this more available outside of DFW and and hopefully across the country if, if not bigger than that one day. What companies are you partnering with to advertise with? We've got some awesome clients, man. Uh, we work with Luck down in Trinity Groves. Uh, we work with State and Allen uh, over uptown. Yeah. We work with the Nodding Donkey uptown. Oh, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, totally. We've worked with car dealerships, uh, Texas Family Fitness is a client of ours that we're super proud of. And, wow. and so it's a it's really a quite a growing list. And, and we found like some verticals uh, really don't deliver that well on our <laughs> platform. And we're not like afraid to tell people that, you know, like it's it really works well for some brands and it really doesn't for some others. So like any startup, lots of growing pains and lots of learning happening along the way. Anything that you're looking forward to, uh, you know, as Startup Week sort of winding down? I know we've only got really one and a half days left. Uh, some rest, <laughs> to, to, to be honest, you know, so uh, a little bit of rest will be great. And then uh, I roll straight out of Startup Week into uh, Deep Elm March Fest this weekend. And I work with a nonprofit out of Deep Elm. And so I'll, I'll go from the chaos of this to the chaos of that and hopefully get some rest by Monday. Joe, where can people find out more about Ride Along Media? Uh, www.com ridealong.media. Joe Van Offlin, thank you so much for joining us and sitting down with us here at Dallas Startup Week. And we'll be back with more right after this. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Stick around. The Dallas Startup Week podcast will return right after this. You're listening to the official podcast of Dallas Startup Week. Brought to you by the Real News Communications Network. 
Welcome back to day four of Dallas Startup Week. I'm Kristen Marin. I'm Zach Lewis. And we are sitting here with Sarah Meister and Tom Chapman, who just got finished with a panel off of the community track called Access to Flexible Capital. And when I thought access to flexible capital, it sounded like someone was handing out free money. So I think that's why so many people showed up to your guys' panel. <laughs> there were a lot of people there. Uh, no so strings attached. No. <laughs> Sarah, tell us a little bit about uh, what was discussed. Well, we covered a lot of ground, actually. We had people um, you know, working in the VC track, people in the crowdfunding track, and people working for funds uh, to support uh, you know, underserved communities. Um, so we really covered a lot of ground, like how can you approach these different parties? Um, what should you be prepared to discuss? Um, and, and also, you know, what research do you need to do beforehand um, in order to be best prepared for that conversation? And I should mention, Sarah Meister is the Hardware and Design Outreach Manager at Indiegogo. Tom Chapman, who was also on the panel, is the Managing Principal at Chapman & Company. Uh, so, Tom, what were some of the big highlights of the panel for you? So, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, so I don't know as much about Dallas. And what I thought was really fascinating was the diversity of capital sources, um, specifically diversity of capital sources associated with how to get people to lendability. Um, and uh, I, it was interesting because when we talk about how to have more access to capital, whether it's you know flexible or otherwise, one of the big issues is people are often undercapitalized as a business. So uh, the Chase moderator said, uh, the average was 27 days. I thought that was fascinating because when we go around and we start looking at lending in Omaha, a lot of what we're seeing is people are having a hard time finding $20,000, $50,000 because they don't have collateral or they don't have good credit. So I thought the programs that the state of Texas and specifically that our partners on the panel could put forward was fascinating because we, we, while we have access through SBA and community banking, um, it's not surprising to me when I look at the number of SBA loans that occur in Dallas being incredibly high compared to the rest of the country. It's because of programs like that. Now, you know, we didn't do that. So like we were the opposite of them. We were like, <laughs> oh yeah, equity and crowdfunding. And um, I have never been on a panel with a crowdfunder who was as good um, Aww. Aww. <laughs> uh, for real, because I thought the most interesting point was the idea of having to take a year to really think through your model of what you're going to do. And when I talk to, I, particularly like gamers or people that are making a product, they're usually <laughs> like, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, I don't even know what you do. How, yeah. how could you be ready? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something unfortunate that I see, um, sadly, all too often. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of the pump the brakes approach because a crowdfunding campaign is a very public thing. And when you launch, it's to the world and the world is going to see how well or how you know poorly you do so um, I think you really want to take that seriously I think it sets the hobbyists apart from the real serious people um, so you know a lot of time people don't take my advice and that's fine and then I'll usually kind of take several steps back um, and I'll let that campaign roll out I could be wrong maybe they had the momentum but I've got a lot of campaigns under my belt and I really think that I feel like we're talking like sports broadcasting right now <laughs> like hair was a tough one like I got a yes. lot of campaigns under my belt and you know this one no I I feel truly like you know lessons learned people need to take the time they need to take a deep breath they need to make sure that they've pursued all the avenues available um, before they jump into something like that yeah and it you know, here at Startup Week, everyone's trying to get the word out about their business, about their company, about their new product, their new idea. And all they're thinking about is 
how do I get the capital? How do I get the funding to get this started? And so I want to ask you guys, is there, you know, a certain type of funding that is more appropriate depending on your industry? You know, should you seek out a VC or should you seek out an angel investor or should you go the way of crowdfunding? Yeah. Can I have one second just to exchange the, um, I want to, I want to exchange another compliment to you. Because I've been on some panels with VCs and no one ever kind of stays as long as me talking to people, you know, almost another 45 minutes after the whole thing is done, um, really caring about education on the same level. So I just wanted to, I wanted to throw that back at you. Uh, it's because I don't know where I'm having dinner. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, it's a hard question because a lot of time it's really generated by the actual type of business that the person wants from a business model perspective, not necessarily from the industry classification. So people will walk in and say, oh, I'm a tree services business. Somebody came in and talked about that today. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about venture capital. And in general, I could say, you know, if you're a lawn, ska- lawn company, et cetera, you are not a venture capital target. But There are those cases where somebody says, no, 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 what I'm really doing is I'm building a two-sided marketplace. No, 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 what I'm really building is a software product that's a SaaS model. No, 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 what I'm really building is a mechanism for people to be able to participate in sustainable, renewable growth or something along those lines, which actually fits really well with regards to different people's portfolio. So, So industry is really hard, but I think when you start to think about business models, what I try to describe to people is the idea, do you have enough customers that when um, one of them leaves, you can still be in a position where um, you have plenty of cash coming in the door on a recurring basis? Is that recurring basis going up every month? And are you sitting in a situation where if you sold for the next 10 years and had wild success, you'd still only be one or 2% of the market? So if that's true, And that can be like, oh, the market's getting huge. It's only 10 today, but it's gonna be a zillion in 10 years. So cloud computing, renewable energy, um, drones is one of my favorites right now. Those Mm -hmm. are all getting huge, right? Well, those markets aren't very, they're not big today, Mm -hmm. but they're gonna be big at some point in 10 or 15 years. And so you start to go like, I see how you're playing into this market and you're gonna be really big. And, And what you do in that, usually I'd rather have a product or something that has recurring, but there are service businesses that fit the model as well. Um, well, I also think, um, you know, it's we live in an era where there are so many funding options available to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you made a great point about, you know, make sure that the person that you're going to, like what product you have falls in their interest because they're going to be naturally, you know, challenging you and naturally kind of rooting for you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, seek those people out, you know, just because we are a fundraising plat- platform doesn't mean we're the best option for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a lot of sa- sauce campaigns that come to our platform and um, they don't perform nearly as well as hardware campaigns that um, people can buy and wear and, you know, add, like add as an accessory to their car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that might be something that they might actually want to reconsider and take a different route. Um, it's worth looking to, into all these options. Um, but you want to kind of be falling into the flow and the rhythm so that the resources that a funding option has um, are actually applicable to you and you know you can take as mu- as much advantage of them as possible. Another challenge a lot of startups face is that they have an idea but maybe it, it's not tangible yet. Maybe it's it's just a concept. Uh, how much of a business plan do you need to have developed before you seek funding? 
I really like to see that they've thought about their mission statement and that they've, you know, thought about a three-year plan. Um, that kind of foresight um, really helps the community get behind a campaign. Um, you know, they've already prepared. These are the people that we're talking to. Um, you know, you can just have an idea and be sitting on it and have no ambition or drive. Um, that's something I wouldn't personally want to back myself. Mm -hmm. um, but you could have this concept and be a really passionate 19-year-old um, and be out there making the right moves and showing that you're willing to do whatever it takes to make this product happen. So I, I think it almost comes down to who is that person and what is their character? You mm -hmm. know, like how prepared are they? And um, Tom, not being in crowdfunding, do you have a different viewpoint of that or would you agree? It's a, it's a great question because if you go to like a bank, mm -hmm. a bank requires you to have a business plan, it requires you to have five years of financials, like that is a requirement. So there are organizations like the SBDC here who help you write those business plans that are really geared towards a bank. I never saw that business plan show up on my desk as a venture capitalist, as a legitimate target. So I mean, there were people that really should have been banked mm -hmm. that would show up and they'd say, oh no, we want venture capital because we want an equity partner. In general, what I was seeing were uh, three different documents. So I'd see a pitch deck, I'd see an executive summary, and then I would see what I call one-page glossy. So front and back, and it would basically tell me the story in one page. Now, I will say that there's a value to writing a business plan that goes beyond what you're going to tell me as the venture capitalist. It's a lot more about understanding the assumptions and questions you should be asking your customers. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more about saying, oh my gosh, we have this huge hole in our team because we don't know stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more about saying, gosh, we have this gap in our product roadmap that we just don't know about. That's the discipline associated with a business plan. You don't need to write that down per se into a 10-page document and be like, this is our business plan. Because that's, you know, that's a photo yeah. document. I mean, it's a one-time only. Now our business is something different a month later. But the discipline of thinking about your business, not just in your business, but on your business, is really important. Really an exercise in self-learning. Yeah. Yep. We've yeah, spoken absolutely. to a lot of people at, at Dallas Startup Week who have been inside of businesses, inside startups, and people who have st just starting to people who have, have exited. We haven't really had the opportunity to sit down with people who have are coming in it from, from the outside professionally and... and Physically, Tom, you're from Nebraska. Um, so Sadly I, I, true. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, what do you think of Dallas Startup Week? I, what do you think of the vibe here? Is it, is it I don't know, is, is it any good? On the one hand, I feel like one of the like warnings that I got was like, well, there's not much of a hardware scene here. And yet, like I've had really fruitful days each day. Um, and I've been out visiting people on site at their factories. And, um, you know, I, I feel like just coming here, like willing to see and to seek it out um, has has been, you know, very rewarding for me. Um, and what I would like to see is m more of the hardware scene um, here and present, uh, you know, and, and that hardware scene kind of integrated into the Dallas startup scene just in general. I think that they, they're outside of it. Um, that's been one of my kind of lasting observations. Um, I'm very much, uh, you know, the ally to the hardwareians, and I want to make sure that they get as much support from me as possible. And, um, you know, if I have to, like, bring Aero Electronics and IBM here for quarterly <laughs> meetups like I will do that yeah. <laughs> I will I will make that happen um, so that we can see that scene flourish here because it exists it's just very below the surface 
Tom, another thing I thought was interesting that you discussed on the panel was setting realistic expectations about timelines for funding. So if you're a startup, kind of what, if you could reiterate, you know, what is a realistic expectation? If I say I'm, I need a million dollars tomorrow to, you know, get my product off the ground. That's unlikely. <laughs> is that realistic enough? Um, uh, so when I think about venture capital, I usually think about it, about it as a six-month process. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to meet multiple venture capitalists, which uh, in Dallas is probably a little bit easier than it is in Omaha. Um, but it's still very difficult because if you walk around, you know, to answer your question, if you walk around Startup Week and you say, where are the venture capitalists? Are they hanging out in the rooms, et cetera? I have met zero. That's not a bad thing. That means they're probably in their office looking at deals. Maybe they're doing side meetings, et cetera. I mean, that's the typical role of the VC. One key growth area for um, communities is how do you get inclusiveness with your venture capitalists, with your funding sources, with your angels, with your crowdfunding sources, et cetera. That's really challenging. Um, so within that, you have to find mechanisms to meet. So how do you do that? You may meet Tom. Tom's not right for you. Tom can connect you to a lot of people because we do interact frequently because mm -hmm. deals just get passed side to side. They're like, oh, I think this is interesting. You should take a look. We like this founder. Mm -hmm. We can't get in right now because we don't have any cash. You know, fill in the blank of whatever it is. So meeting one VC can be a mechanism for you to get into the system and find accessible capital from another source. Mm -hmm. But you have to go and you have to plan on building a relationship with those individuals. So you should do your research with regards to the ones that are likely to be good contacts. So as an example, I mostly do software. So if you were like, Tom, I want to talk to you about my hardware device. It's super cool, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to have coffee all day long and know nothing about what you're talking about most of the time. Yeah, That's great. But what you really need is for me to convert that into a connection to somebody that really is an expert in hardware mm -hmm. that can connect you to a customer like an IBM. And, and within that, you know, if you spend the time to make sure you're building your way into the network from multiple sources, that you really understand what you're going to need, that you know who the partners are, even if they're difficult to find, as long as you give yourself time, you usually will have enough. Now, the specific thing I said was, if you walk in and you need a million bucks, mm -hmm. it's going to take a minimum of six weeks. Just that's how long the, the legal documents take. Mm -hmm. And almost never do we hear a pitch and go, done, we're in. Let's get those docs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so, so within that, um, you know, you're planning on probably, all right, pitch, here's 10 follow-ups, let's do diligence. That's probably three months. So mm -hmm. if you use month six to month three to build the relationships with various people, then you go out and you start working that process, you can potentially get funded in about six months. The other thing I'll say, so I've been a founder as well, or a vet, I've raised money from VCs. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to swing a lot and miss. So I think when we raised money for Beehive, we called 84 VCs. And we had maybe 10 follow up and be like, we're interested. We ultimately signed with one Advantage Capital in St. Louis. And that was exceptionally difficult because you're just always hearing no, always hearing no. So the other part mm -hmm. of the process isn't just the time. It's that you need to reboot as a, as a, as a, a founder because you're going to get disheartened. Mm -hmm. And getting disheartened often is not something we talk about, but it's real. And if you just burn yourself down by making 78 calls in a week, you're going to do a crappy job on your 79th call, and mm -hmm. that might be the partner you need. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I think Indiegogo was denied 93 times before it had a promising <laughs> partner. <laughs> you yeah. brought up a good point that, you know, venture capitalists aren't just floating around the room. They're not read readily available, and they're harder to find. So uh, is, is there any recommendation that you would give for a startup or a business owner who's looking to connect where to make those connections? 
first look for the person wearing the Groucho Marx disguises whenever <laughs> you're at something like Dallas Startup Week. That's generally probably something. <laughs> uh, you're actually right. I know people. It's more of a beard thing that they have going on there. Um, no, uh, I, I, I think, so I think a couple things. So I'm going to describe um, a little bit about the Midwest and I think it's true in Dallas as well, but mm-hmm. um, one of the things is you have to be comfortable knowing that they're not going to be at the same events that an entrepreneur is going, and you might have to go onto their turf. Mm-hmm. So an example of their turf, um, there's a program in Nebraska called the Association for Corporate Growth. It's a lot of CFOs, bankers, there's VCs in the room. Um, there's a group in um, St. Louis, uh, the name is escaping me right now, but it's Mentors and the, the Mentor Network, I forget, VMS, maybe the St. Louis Venture Men- Mentor Network, has VCs that come and present very frequently along with entrepreneurs. So you have to put yourself out there in places where you're going to find them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's, it's like when you're going to a trade show to find customers. Not everybody in the room is a customer, but if you stand in the buffet line long enough, you're going to find a customer. So you just have to keep going through the buffet line in places that you know that they're going to be because you know from past experience or you can look at the list of people who are going to be there. So uh, Invest Midwest just happened. There's a similar program uh, called, I think it's called Invest Texas, but if that's incorrect, that's just because I'm not that smart, um, where the VCs see like 60 pitches. Well, even if you're not pitching, show up mm-hmm. at the hotel and just stand there and be like, hi, I'm Tom, hi, I'm Tom, <laughs> hi, I'm Tom, hi, I'm Tom, and wait until somebody tells you their name back. And take notes on their pitches. Like, what are they saying that they don't like? What are they saying that they liked about someone's pitch? And mm-hmm. um, factor that into your pitch, you know, like, I think that's that's really huge. And, you know, before I was even in crowdfunding, I would, you know, go and listen to people's pitches when I didn't even have a company, when I was just kind of like working in social media and marketing and totally like out there trying to find clients and stuff. So I, I, I agree. I actually found, um, I like to go to the law offices in New York because generally they have good breakfasts. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's just, you can eat for free going to different places where you actually can find a network. And, um, you know, in a city like New York, I know that's like a huge advantage, but mm-hmm. going to a law office, going to, you know, like an, a, an event for the local chamber of commerce, like mm-hmm. um, you could probably line up breakfast, lunch, and dinner as, you know, as, as a hungry founder of a startup, um, just going to each of these different places and you will cross paths with the people that want to help you out. Absolutely. And I know locally we have like the 1 million cups of, uh, mm-hmm. We've got the United Way one-up pitch competition that's taking place tonight as part of Dallas Startup Week. So there are those opportunities out there. Uh, before we go, I want to give you guys, you know, an opportunity to do a shameless plug. So, Sarah, anything you'd like to say about Indiegogo? Oh, I mean, Indiegogo is an incredible site. Um, I, yeah, wow, what an opportunity. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess my shameless plug would be email me. I'm just Sarah at Indiegogo. If you have, you know, a, an idea of something that you want to crowdfund, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Miss Flag. M-I-S-S-F-L-A-G-G. That's really shameless. That's bad. I'm just trying to get my own follower base up. And Tom, how about you for uh, Chapman and Company? You can certainly come to our website at chapmanandcompany.co. I'm not sure what you would find there. Picture me doing the splits, I think. Uh, but uh, what I would say, kind of in closing, what I would like to say is I've been very impressed with Dallas, particularly the mechanism to be inclusive. 
-hmm. So when you talk about racial inclusivity, uh, the inclusivity of women, particularly age inclusivity, I've seen a lot of people that are over the age of 50, 55, who are starting new businesses. Mm -hmm. That is atypical. I travel the country. I work with lots of companies through the Startup Champions Network and lots of different communities. And so I go to this a lot. That is not typical. That's pretty atypical. So, I mean, I would put a pitch back and just say, keep doing what you're doing because you guys are really building something special in Dallas. Yeah, I completely wholeheartedly agree. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Tom Chapman and Sarah Meister from the Access to Flexible Capital panel here at day four of Dallas Startup Week. And that about wraps it up. Tune in tomorrow for the final day of Dallas Startup Week, our last broadcast for this year. We're going to be at a slightly different location. We're going to be at the Real Estate Tech Fair at Fort Work, 211 North Hervé Street, Suite 900. I think it's going to be a good time. We haven't really had the opportunity to speak to any real estate moguls. But at the very least, we'll have the opportunity to speak to some startups. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow at Dallas Startup Week. Real News PR is proud to be the exclusive podcast provider of Dallas Startup Week. 